All right, Rolling Stone top 500 songs of all time, going from uh, 200 to 100. And I imagine these episodes may be a bit longer because I'm pretty sure I'm going to know more of these songs or less. I don't know. Let's see what we got. Uh, number 200 is David Bowie Changes. David Bowie's one of those artists where I like his stuff, but I've never owned a single David Bowie album, and I do not know this song. This song came out like in the early 70s, and I'm pretty sure I'll have to look it up on YouTube and see if it deserves to be there based on me liking it, I guess. Aerosmith's Dream On. Never liked Aerosmith at all, but Dream On is still a good song. And Eminem... Uh, sampled it for one of his songs and it was a pretty good sample so uh i'm pretty sure walk this way may be on here and i'll tell a story about that marvin gay sexual healing 1982 um i think this was his last uh hit single before he before he passed away so don't quote me on that but i remember uh they did a video for this song you know uh, and this is when they, you know, I mean, they were always doing music videos. Like when MTV came out, it's like, it's not like MTV invented music videos. They always had music videos as like promotional stuff. And it was MTV's idea. Hey, we should make a channel where we just show all these videos. And then people started actually like just making videos, you know. But I just remember the video for this song. And, you know, it was one of the first music videos I actually remember. Uh and Peebles, I Can't Stand the Rain. Um, once again, a song that I know only because of sampling. Because Missy Elliott sampled this for her song, The Rain. So, and uh, I don't know if I know any other Anne Peebles song, but this is one of her most, to me, her one of her most recognizable. Uh, James Brown, uh, Sex Machine. Well, I mean, what could you really say about James Brown? It hasn't already been said, you know, or that I haven't already said because he already had a few songs on this list, you know, and in the 70s is a weird time. Like I watched a movie um, in my horror movie marathon. I watched a movie called uh, Torso and they had these two lesbians in bed together. They're they're butt naked. But they wouldn't show you them kissing. So when they go to kiss, they have like this weird bed uh, bedpost thing. And then they show the bedpost thing blocking them from kissing. But James Brown could put out a song called I Feel Like Being a Sex Machine. That's perfectly fine. Hey, let's play this on the radio. And I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that sensibilities were very strange back in the 70s. Uh, Patsy Cline, uh, crazy. Uh, my mother was a big Patsy Cline fan. So I do remember this song very well. You know, it, it always came on the radio when she'd play her her country stations and stuff like that. So let's see here. <laughs> Ghetto Boys, mind playing tricks on me. One of my friends told me about how hard I was trying to sell Scarface and the Ghetto Boys back in the early 90s because we were all, you know, we're from, we're from New York. So it's all about, at that time, it was all about Red Man, EPMD, X-Clan, Public Enemy. And then you have these these country dudes, you know. But, you know, it was something about the ghetto boys I liked. You know, and Mind Playing Tricks on Me was, you know, their breakout song. And I remember when uh, 
Scarface went solo, like his first single, they were bumping out in the clubs in New York, you know, and people were singing along and everything. So, hey, uh, props to the Gitter Boys for making the list. NWA's Fuck the Police is number 190. I thought it would have been like top 100, but close enough. 190 close enough with all the other songs on there. You know, it was a weird time, you know, for rap music back then. Because you had like wholesome stuff like Will Smith, and then you had NWA literally making a song called Fuck the Police, you know, it which got them in a lot of trouble. But I mean, is it any different than how we feel about the police now? Not really. I watched a, I watched a video yesterday of a cop dragging a paraplegic man out of his car by his dreads. So is this has this song lost any of its relevance at all over the last 30 years? Nope, not at all. David Bowie Space Oddity at 189. You know, it took me a while to figure out that Space Oddity was the, the major Tom song. Because it's not, you know, um, and I was like, because I was like Space Oddity. And then, you know, I was like, oh yeah, the, the major Tom song. So. I figured David Bowie would probably be on this list a few more times. Uh, let's see what we got here. Staple Singers, I'll Take You There. Uh, I knew this song before from, you know, my parents listened to all the soul stations, but I think Big Daddy Kane sampled this on either his first or second album. You know, uh, Michael Jackson's Beat It. What else could you say? You know, we owned so many copies of Thriller as kids because we had we had a vinyl copy. And then we had another vinyl copy to replace the first vinyl copy because we played it so much, we scratched it all to hell. And then we bought it on cassette and then we bought it on CD. <laughs> so, you know, Thriller, of course, one of the greatest albums of all time. Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You. A lot of people did not know that Nothing Compares to You was a cover of a Prince song, just like I Feel for You from Shaka Khan, also a cover of a Prince song. So, uh, let's see. Stevie Wonder, You Are the Sunshine of My Life at 183. This is off of Talking Book, what I call one of the uh, his, his big five. After, he had, after Motown uh, stopped making him do all that goofy-ass pop stuff that he was doing that he hated so much. I don't know if he hated it, but he had other stuff he wanted to do. And, uh, you know... Yeah, I mean, now I'm probably going to go and listen to, uh, I have I have the, the box set for Stevie Wonder song review, not song review, but the uh, the four disc set. Now I'm probably going to listen to it tonight. Simon and Garfunkel, The Sounds of Silence. You know, I was never, I could, I could easily say, well, I'm never into uh, folk music or folk rock, but I like Simon and Garfunkel. And then even uh, America had a song called Horse With No Name, which I liked a lot, you know? So there are some songs that caught my eye, and this and then actually uh, Disturbed did a an excellent cover of this song. So check it out when you get a chance. Let's see. Pink Floyd's "Comfortably Numb" at one seventy nine. Um, once again, Pink Floyd is one of those artists that I really only started listening to when I started working at the record store back in the uh, you know in the uh, the late nineties. You know, and I'm trying to remember what album this came off of, but it was, uh, 
I want to say this came off the uh, off the wall, but it's basically I think the only drug song that's more jarring than this one when you think about it may be Nine Inch Nails Hurt, which Johnny Cash did a masterful cover of. So oh, let's see. Van Halen's Jump, 1983. I remember, uh, you know, Diamond Dave, uh, you know, and uh, David Lee Roth. And I remember him getting on Eddie Van Halen for the synthesizer stuff because he was like, dude, you're a, you're a guitar hero. Why are you messing around with these damn synthesizers? Get back on the guitars. But you know what? Uh, it's a great song, you know? And I'm pretty sure he play he plays a synthesizer the way the way he plays a guitar, which is really complicated. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's a guitar. He he was a guitar hero and a synthesizer hero all at the same time. Like when I hear the synthesizer track from something like the Final Countdown, you know, you know, and then you hear the 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 synthesizer solo on Jump. Like yeah, okay. He he's a he's a god in whatever instrument he decides to touch. He'd probably be a, a a cello hero if he decided to play the cello. The Kinks, you really got me. This was actually a funny song, not funny like ha ha funny, but I the only song I knew from the Kinks was when he did a song called "Come Dancing" in the eighties. So when you hear "Come Dancing," and then you hear "You Really Got Me," it's like. You know, you have this hard, gritty song, and then you have Come Dancing. And I'm just like, are there two different kinks? <laughs> Is there two different bands with the same name? So uh, let's see here. What else do we got? Oh, Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. You know, uh, I mean, he's a jazz legend, you know, and everybody knows the song. I'm pretty sure it's been in like all these different movies and all these different shows. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a feel good song. And sometimes you need that in the world. Who else we got here? Eminem's lose yourself. I remember Eminem got into a little bit of a beef with, um, Weird Al Yankovic because Weird Al Yankovic has this thing. And this happened after, um, I don't know if it happened after the Coolio thing or if it was a byproduct of it, but he actually, well, he always got permission to do people's songs because he wanted to stay on the good side of the music industry, you know? So even though it's totally legal for him to do parodies of any song he wants to because it's protected by law, he still asks. So for instance, Michael Jackson allowed him to do uh, Beat It and to do Bad, but he asked that he not do one for Black and White or Black or White because, you know, the song had a serious message behind it. So Eminem allowed uh, Weird Al Yankovic to, to parody his song, but he didn't want him to do a video for it, you know, because this, this was a personal song for Eminem, you know, because it was like the, the lead track from 8 Mile, which is, uh, you know, uh you know, like a biopic about him that he got the star in. Kind of like Richard Pryor in a JoJo Dance or Your Life is Calling. So, but I mean, it's basically when people think about uh, 
And the reason why 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 compared to JoJo Dancer is because you know he didn't you know he wasn't playing he it was about his life, but he wasn't playing Eminem. He just basically just played uh, a different character going through the same story, just like uh, Richard Pryor in JoJo Dancer, just like Prince in Purple Rain. So, but it it it, it worked all the same, and this song is is actually fantastic. If you if you catch it on YouTube, there is and I had it on CD actually, but there's actually somebody had it on YouTube. There is a remix played on banjos that actually works pretty damn well. Catch it when you if you can catch it. Let me know what you think. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Let's see what we got here. Madonna's Into the Groove. What album was that from? Is, is she's at 161. Oh, that's what it was. The soundtrack from Desperately Seeking Season. God awful movie, but it's Madonna. So at the time, it was good music. Let's see here. The Who, Baba O'Reilly. Once again, I most of the Who songs I know are from the theme songs from like all the CSI shows and Baba O'Reilly was for, it was on one of those shows. So the meters, Sissy strut at the one fifty eight. Once again, one of those songs where like you hear it and I didn't know who did it. And when I finally figured it out, I was just like, Oh, okay. You know, one of the, one of the premier funk bands from back in the late sixties, early seventies. See here. <laughs> Rick James, super freak, and it is bringing back memories because you know I'm reading this off the off the website, and then they were fine. I think whenever they were able to find like a vinyl copy of like the album or the 45, they put it up there, and I actually remember like that purple 45 with the the, the Gordy single. Uh, symbol going right through it, you know, and it was like super free part like one and two because it's a forty five, so they had to play part two on the other side, you know, and um, yeah, I mean Rick James, I, I, you know, you wish he didn't have that horrible drug problem because I mean once again he was a musical genius and I think those drugs really derailed him. You know, he should still be making music now, but you know what are you gonna do? Now, uh, let's see. Oh, I almost passed Creedence Clearwater Revival, uh, Proud Mary. Um, I, if I have it right, and like I said, I'm just looking at all this from the, from the, uh, for the first time, I think Ike and Tina covered this song. Like they did a, 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 a more upbeat version of this song, but even the original is actually pretty good. Like I said, I'm not really into Southern rock, but there's some Creedence Clearwater Revival songs that catch my ear, especially Fortunate Son, which I believe was earlier in the list. And then, let's see. The Shirelles, Will You Love Me Tomorrow. That I don't know why it caught my eye, because I'm not going to lie, I don't know that song. <laughs> so. All right. We got Green Day with Basket Case at 150. 
I would have put in When I Come Around. If it had to be something from that album, I would have put When I Come Around. I like that song much better than Basket Case. Basket Case was a good song, but When I Come Around, way better, in my opinion. Uh, Elton John's Rocket Man at 149. If you want a good laugh, uh, two things you got to watch. Number one, you got to watch uh, William Shatner in his version of Rocket Man. And then you got to look up Family Guy Rocket Man and see Stewie imitating uh, William Shatner covering that song. So, uh, Led Zeppelin's Cashmere. If I. Uh, if I remember correctly, don't quote me on this, but if I remember, like, you know, Cashmere, this was the song that Puff Daddy covered to do that horrible song he did for the, the Godzilla soundtrack from 99, that, that, that horrible Godzilla movie with Matthew Broderick. And one of my friends uh, I used to work with at the record store joked about it because when Puffy did that song on Saturday Night Live and Jimmy Page was there, he said, if you look closely, you could hear Jimmy Page turning up his amp so he doesn't have to hear Puff Daddy ruining his song. I'm like, did Jimmy Page run out of money? Why would he let Puffy do his song? But if I remember correctly from what someone told me, and I could be wrong about this, like that was supposed to be their big... uh set piece song from physical graffiti but i think the b-side was like stairway to heaven which was supposed to be like a throwaway song and it ended up being one of their biggest hits of all time which i'm probably sure will show up on this list somewhere in the next 148 songs you know fats domino blueberry hill uh you know one of the one of the uh the the pioneers of rock and roll you know and I know Blueberry Hill because I think that was Richie Cunningham's favorite song on Happy Days. <laughs> Outcast Miss Jackson. Uh, you know, it's it's basically to me, it's a rap, an updated rap version of uh, a Dr. Hook song called Sylvia's Mother. You know, it's one of my mother's favorite songs. And she had it on, she had it on 45. It reminds me of that, you know, a little bit, you know. I, I wish Outcast would get back together, but you know, we'll see what happens. The Clash, London Calling. Like I said, not really much of a punk fan, and not even that big of a Clash fan. But London Calling was a great song, you know. Let's see here. Bob Marley and the Wailers, No Woman, No Cry at 140. Off the Natty Dread album. Uh, if anybody, if Bob Marley is known for any one song, it would definitely be No Woman, No Cry. Right next to Redemption Song. You know? And uh, I know, you know, you figure right when Bob Marley was hitting his stride musically, of course, he tragically passed away. But, I mean, that's always a song that's going to, you know, like when he does when he does the live shows, that's always a song that brings down the house. Would be no woman, no cry. You know, uh, Madonna's Vogue came in at one thirty nine. Uh, I, I will say this. I mean, it was a good song. It was a cool video. Does it need to be so high on the list? No, this could have been in, in the top. You know, in the, in the bottom four hundred. You know. I think she did this song. For, I want to say this was the the Dick Tracy soundtrack. 
I could be wrong about that. Blondie, Heart of Glass. See, here's my thing. This is the Blondie that I knew growing up, was the disco Blondie. And Heart of Glass was my favorite Blondie song, right? And I think the video was them doing the song at Studio 54. And um, it's, it's basically like that cut right into their punk days, you know? And eventually, you know, they came out with Rapture and stuff like that. And, and the Tide is High, which is their little, you know, pop song. But, you know, uh, Heart of Glass will always be my favorite Blondie song. see tina turner's what's love got to do with it you know i i've been listening to my uh my my spotify lists and I'm, i mean hearing some of the tina turner stuff that she did after you know after she finally got emancipated from ike you know and it's a lot more poppy than her old soul stuff but you know what uh it's still good music and this is still a good song so you know, there's actually Journeys Don't Stop Believing at 133. Uh, VH1. No, it wasn't Don't Stop Believing. I may have had that wrong. I may need to look that up. I know VH1 did a top 100, or like a top songs of the 80s. And I don't remember if Don't Stop Believing was number one or if Living on a Prayer was number one. I think I might have been Living on a Prayer. But I think that, you know, at the end of the Sopranos, you know, that whole ambiguous ending, I think they, they, they were playing Don't Stop Believing," which probably made people hate the song even more. <laughs> uh, Airbnb Rock Hymns Paid in Full at 132. You know, if, if Run DMC Sucker MCs saved uh, rap music from becoming, uh, you know, just another fad, then Eric B and Rockham's paid in full, basically just put it up on a pedestal. One of the best rap albums of all time, you know. Um, let's see. Oh my fucking god, Drake! And, and here's the thing: Drake has a song at number one twenty nine called "Hold On, We're Going Home." I've never heard this song before. You know. Now here's the thing. I am not the ultimate authority on music. You know, there are a lot of songs that I've never heard before. But with Drake, I'm just like, I, I I can understand why people like Jay-Z, even though I'm not a fan, but I understand why people like him. I don't, I don't really understand the whole appeal of of Drake. I'm not saying he shouldn't be successful, but to me, he just I, I've never said this about an artist before. He sells way too many records for his talent level. Uh, TLC's Waterfalls at 127. That video, the cost of that video set them back so much. I think that video was like a million dollars to make, which in 1995 was absolutely ridiculous. Like a ridiculous amount of money for a music video. Like their contract that they signed with Pebbles was basically just musical slavery. And then to make it worse for them when, uh, when Left Eye accidentally burned down her boyfriend's mansion, they just basically just billed her for it. <laughs> so, I mean, they just had money troubles out the wazoo because of that bullshit deal that they signed. So, I will say this. Chili still looks exactly the same. T-Boz, you know, she put on some weight, but I heard that she was actually, she's sick. 
and she's always on um like some, like some sort of steroid, you know. But I mean, if you remember T Boz and Chili back, I mean, all three of them back then were like these little skinny little stick figures. But you know what? I mean, I'll put it like this: I've gained a hundred pounds since high school, so I'm one to talk. <laughs> and that's and that's not even me exaggerating. It's really a hundred pounds since high school. Um. Let's see what else we got here. What else is catching my eye? Not as much as I would have thought. Oh, uh, Radiohead's Creep. Uh, I actually still have this on CD, you know. And I and I basically, uh, a lot of people have covered this song, you know. And actually, uh, Chino XL, who's one of the most underrated rappers of all time, did a song where he kind of, well, he didn't sample the song, but kind of like the, uh, you know, sample the chorus, you know. And, um, and like I said before, I have their first two albums. I have Pablo Honey and then the Benz, but I don't have the, their two bigger albums, which was Kid A and uh, OK Computer, you know. Aretha Franklin, I say a little prayer at number 117. Oh, Rob Basin, DJ Easy Rock, It Takes Two at number 116. I remember I saw uh, DJ Vlad calling Rob Bass garbage for this song and and saying that like mumble rap is better than than Rob Bass and um RA the rugged man was defending Rob Bass you know and I mean Rob Bass was definitely not like a, a rock him or anything like that let's just let's just be clear but who doesn't know this song even if you didn't grow up in my era you know 1988, I was in like, what, like 11th grade? And that song just pretty much just lit up the whole entire summer. Who who doesn't know that song even then or now? Who doesn't know the lyrics to that song? You can sing this song in karaoke. You don't even got to look at the, 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 the teleprompter. Because you know this song. Definitely deserves to be on the list. Etta James at last. I will say this. Beyonce played Etta James on... Um, Cadillac Records, there was um, a biopic about Chess Records, the label that um, Little Walter and uh, Muddy Waters were on. And then, you know, Beyonce came on as Etta James, you know, and I'm like, why I always got Beyonce playing like singers that are better than her? <laughs> all right. All right. I'm not going to take this opportunity to, to shit on Beyonce. Um Britney Spears toxic at 114. Ah, mm, ah, ah. I mean, I'm not a Britney Spears fan in the least, but she has. I I would probably say just based on my imagination, she has better songs than toxic. That's not one of her better songs. I don't think it belongs on the list at all. Forget 114 at all. Stevie Wonder's Higher Ground. I, I think Red Hot Chili Peppers did a pretty good cover of this song. You know. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Stevie Wonder fan, and this is definitely one of his better songs. R.E.M. Losing My Religion. Once again, one of those bands that just kind of, they just hit a weird wavelength with me. Like, I, I would not consider myself a fan, but when their songs come on, like, uh, like this one, Losing My Religion, and then they had one called, uh, you know, they would like stand in the place where you work or some shit like that. And I know that song because Weird Al covered it for his uh, 
song called Spam, yes, about the lunch meat. And then it was the theme song to a, a show called Get a Life with Chris Elliott, where he plays like a 35-year-old paper boy. And I don't mean a paper boy who drives a car, like a station wagon. I'm like, like a paper boy who rides a bike, you know? So you could tell how that was going to go. Uh, let's see here. Sly and the Family Stones, Everyday People at uh, 109. Yeah, let's see here. Haha, <laughs> Wu-Tang at 107 with Cream. Uh, you figure late 80s, early 90s, you know, pretty much belonged to, when I say, well, you know, for a while, the West Coast pretty much had it with Dre and Snoop and Tupac and all them. They were really, you know, stealing the spotlight. And then when like when Nas and Wu-Tang came out and Biggie and everybody, it just it just came right back over to the East. You know, they said, uh, according to the write up, they said this song was originally titled Lifestyles of the Mega Rich, but Cream, much better song title. You know, the one thing about this album is that the production values are kind of low and i really wish that they could remaster this album only because i mean rizza was talking about how hard it was to get those samples all those kung fu samples because he literally had to like try to hook his vcr up to his sampler and then get the right sample and it was tedious and time consuming and he showed all the different weird hookups that he had to make it work. So just on a dedication alone, this song belongs up there. Uh, let's see. Jackson Fives, I want you back at number 104. You know, whenever I see young Michael Jackson, it always makes me sad, you know, considering what he ended up becoming in the end, you know? It's kind of like, you know, I don't know. I seen with his afro and his black nose, and he's just out there. Just and I know he's going through a lot because you know it was the Jacksons. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't no. Uh, wasn't no picnic being in that family, you know. But he was. Uh, yeah, it was just a sad end to uh, one of the most talented people on the planet. And when I, when when I hear him sing this song, it just kind of brings back a lot of good memories. Alanis Morissette, you ought to know. Once again, I, I've never really understood the appeal of Alanis Morissette on that level. I do understand her appeal, but not on that level, because this album sold a shit ton of copies. And it was a good song, but I mean, really, I'm not betting hard bunny on Alanis like that. And then I would have lost every dime because, I mean, that album exceeded expectations. And let's see. And that's about it. So we just went from uh, 200 to 100. So I will catch you guys on the next one.